to our time together, I was finishing up yesterday about how we're to love our enemies and to bless them and do good to them and be merciful to them and what it can do in our lives if we do that. <clears throat> and sometimes it drastically changes them, but even if it doesn't, it drastically changes us. Let me tell you about a woman who found out how to love her enemy. Her great enemy was her father. Her father was a drunk, and her mother worked at night, and when Helen would come home from school, she would be mistreated verbally and sometimes beaten physically by her drunken father. She would stay in the library or stay at a friend's house as long as one possibly could because she dreaded being around her father. When she grew up, she left home, and she never wanted to see her father again. Her mother divorced her father while she was in college. She did visit with her mother, but she never visited with her father. Helen met a friend at work named Karen, and Karen began to share with her about Jesus and forgiveness and salvation. Karen started going to church with, or Helen started going to church with Karen, and she found people there who loved her and who loved God. And before long, she trusted Christ and gave her life to Jesus. She began to grow by leaps and bounds, and Helen began to notice that there were some areas of her life that were not growing. She didn't know what the problem was. Then one day, she began to sense that it was the deep bitterness and resentment and hatred she felt toward her father that had an iron grip on her life. She began to open up her life for God's healing and forgiveness. She found out she was becoming a great deal like her father because she had never pardoned him or released him or let him go from what he had done to her. Finally, after months of struggle, she went to her pastor and explained what God had been showing her. After several sessions of prayer and counsel, Helen decided to visit her father. Whether he would respond or not, she was determined to bless. She was determined to do good. She was determined to be merciful. She was determined to forgive. Sitting in the pastor's study, she made the most difficult call of her life, and she had found out her father's phone number from an old family friend, and after praying with her pastor, she picked up the phone and called her father in an out-of-state number. He, she made the call at 3 p.m., and secretly, Helen hoped he would be at work and not be there to answer the phone. But on the fifth ring, her father answered the phone. God gave Helen the strength to choke out, Hello, Dad. After a long silence on the other end of the line, he replied, Helen. In a short conversation, Helen told her father she was going to be flying to his city and asked if she could see him. Please do, Helen, her father said. She got directions to his apartment and hung up the phone. The first battle had been won, but now the greatest was before a hundred times. In the four days before her flight, Helen talked herself in and out of going to see her father. Each time, she decided to back out. That still, small voice within her convicted her of what was right. If she received nothing from her father except the pain she had gotten in the past, she knew that she still needed to go for her sake and to do what was right. She boarded the plane. Her pastor and some of her friends came with her to the airport to encourage her and to see her off. The flight was both the shortest and longest flight of her life. She rented a car and drove 30 minutes to her father's home. With a deep sigh and a short prayer, Helen walked to his apartment and knocked on the door. An old, tired-looking man opened the door. Why had she remembered him as being such a giant of a man? Sitting on the couch with her father, Helen poured out her heart to him. She told about becoming a believer in Christ and the difference it had made in her life. Then hardest of all, she admitted the anger and hatred for him all these years and asked his forgiveness. By the time Helen finished talking, they were both in tears. For 15 years, Helen's father 
had denied the burning conviction of his wrongs against his daughter. He asked her to forgive him for being such a terrible father and lamented over all the pain he had caused in her life. After four hours, it seemed like only four minutes, Helen left. At the door, she put her arms around her father and heard her say the words that she never thought she could possibly say. I love you, Daddy. All the hurt he had caused in her life was not and now she was loving him. For even during the times when she was growing up, when she hated him the most, she still felt an attachment to him and a love for the man who had brought her into the world. Where once she could not express that love or even feel it now, she felt compassion and pity and warmth from a man who had shattered his own life when he shattered hers. Helen went back to her home, her office, and her church, a new person, not looking different on the outside, but knowing that on the inside she was more free than she had ever been in her life. When she came to know Christ, it freed her from guilt and unlocked the shackles that kept her chained to the past. By having the courage to face her father, Helen finally took off the shackles Christ had unlocked. She walked away from her father's house that day free to truly live in the present because she was at last unchained from the past. You see, your enemies can chain you to bitterness and defeat. And today can be the beginning of a new life as you trust Christ. If possible, seek to make right with the person who wronged you, whatever their response might be. I hope you'll do that. Now I want to begin to talk with you about another situation that God's Word tells us about. And, and I, want, I want you to listen closely as we talk about it because I believe it will help us to to have some direction into what God wants for us. And it's, it's found in the book of <clears throat> Second Peter. As we deal with difficult situations and problems. In Second Peter chapter 1. And <clears throat> I, want, I want to read beginning at verse 3. His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life. Through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Through these he has given us his very great and precious promise, promises, plural, so that through them you may participate in the divine nature, having escaped the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness, and to goodness knowledge, and to knowledge self-control, and to self-control perseverance, and to perseverance godliness, and to godliness, mutual affection, and to mutual affection, love. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But whoever does not have them is nearsighted and blind, forgetting they have been cleansed from their past sins. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, make every effort to confirm your calling and election, for if you do these things, you will never stumble and you will receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So I want to talk to you about uh, adding to your life the things that will make a difference in helping you to become all that God wants you to be. And I think we'll see that as we study this passage and look at what God has for us. Once we receive Christ, then the necessity is for us to grow and that's the, the difficult situation I want to talk about. So many believers don't grow after they come into a relationship with Christ. And the passage that I read to you from Second Peter 
he talks about how it's essential for us to grow and that there are certain qualities that we have to let God add to our lives after we come to know him. And, and that's how we become more like Christ, and that's how our life becomes more what God wants it to be, and that's how we experience the best in life. I want you to notice the significance of the qualities that he mentions. He says they're necessary for the life that he wants us to live. In verse 8, he says, if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, then they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And some of the most effective Christians are not those who have the most talents or abilities or dynamic personalities, but they're the ones who have let God develop in them these qualities that he talks about here, goodness and faith and knowledge and self-control and perseverance and godly affection and uh, so forth. Those are the kind of things that make us more like Christ. And they're necessary for a fruitful life because the product of the Holy Spirit is, is these qualities that are mentioned in a different way. The Bible says the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, and so forth. And these are the same kind of qualities we're talking about here. And I want you to see the seriousness of having these qualities in our lives. Without that, then the Bible indicates that, that we will we will not measure up to the person that God wants us to be. And there's, there's no vision, he says in verse 9. <clears throat> Let me read it to you again. But whoever does not have these qualities is nearsighted and blind, forgetting that they've been cleansed from their past sins. Now, that's, that's pretty strong language in, in anybody's book. And I think what he's trying to help us see is that we need vision, the ability to see as God sees, and if we don't have that, then we can't grow. And some of us are blind. We cannot see at all. And we've been in a rut so long. We've been in, uh, in a wrong direction so long. We've been outside of fellowship with God so long that we're blind to opportunity and blind to God's view. Some of us are just short-sighted. That is, we can't see very far. Uh, we can only see right in front of us, no vision for the future. No ability to see God's purpose for our lives and to trust him for it. Some of us have forgotten that he saved us from sin and brought us out and set our feet on a rock and gave us a new direction. And that's why it's important that we develop these qualities. We're going to talk more about that tomorrow as we come back. So I hope you'll be with me. God bless you. Have a great day.